Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Friday, January 6th, 2012. i got to remember to turn my microphone on there. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. They're being said by people who are undisciplined when it comes to soundly, correctly, carefully exegeting the biblical texts. Why do I say that? Well, because God has revealed himself to us. We don't know everything about God as if you could, but what God has revealed about himself can be known, and it can be known with certainty, and it can be known to be true. And so because God has revealed himself to us in his words, he's used nouns, verbs, pronouns, adverbs, adjectives, you know, direct objects, indirect objects, and things like that uh, in order to reveal himself to us. Uh, one theologian in the Missouri Synod, I forget his name, but... Um, he told me, he said, the Bible is the mind of God. It's like, a, it's not the full mind, but it's obviously, that's the idea. We've got God's mind in his word. And so we don't need people who claim to be getting, well, the secret direct revelations from God to be giving us information about God. We have his word. We can trust his words. This, these other folks, if they really are truly speaking the truth about God, then what they're going to say or what they're saying is going to line up with Scripture. And if it's not lining up with Scripture, well, then it's not true. And since Scripture is the norm, is the rule, is the guide, is the canon, is the measure by which we test the prophets, the reality is um, we don't really need the prophets. What we need is God's Word. Yeah, think about it. All right, so we, we're at Friday. We've come to the end of another broadcast week, a little shorter week because of um, the uh, New Year's holiday. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. This is one of those episodes. Now, if, um, I say this from time to time, and uh, it's important for you to know that. If you were to go back and listen to the archives of Fighting for the Faith, each and every program, there is an unspoken theme. I, I I try to block together 
different stories and uh, and items to fit under kind of big block theological categories or apologetic categories. So if you were to go into you know let's you know say pick pick a date October sixteenth twenty eleven. Um, I don't know if that was a weekend or not, but I'm just picking a day. But uh, let's say if you were to go into the middle of October of last year and just listen to an episode, it is possible for you to backwards engineer and go, okay, I think the, the, the general category, the general unspoken theme for that edition would be this or that. And there are sub-themes that go along with it because certain things hook together. But I don't generally um, divulge what the theme is. <laughs> That being the case, sometimes when I'm working on research, uh, what'll happen is is that uh, stuff doesn't make the cut. You know, for me, an average workday begins at uh, about five six in the morning. Get up, and uh, you know, take a look at the radio streamer, and begin scanning the news. Begin scanning the news, looking at Twitter, and uh, and you know, I've got a I've got Google Reader set up, so I've I've you know got like hundreds of different news sources that can kind of filter down into one aggregated place. And I I work with Twitter and Facebook and and uh and Google Reader in order to kind of get all of this down into one spot, work through there, and then what I do is I use instant paper. Um instant it's not instant, it's insta paper. And uh, I use the Instapaper program. So if I see something that I go, okay, this potentially could be something I want to talk about on Fighting for the Faith, I flag it. And so then, you know, the next piece of all of this is that I go into Instapaper and I look at all of the things that I've flagged and I start putting them into different buckets. You know, this deals with this topic. This deals with this topic. This is something that has to do with this. And um, and then I begin constructing programs to where um, you know, I, okay, I want to I want to address this apologetic theme. Okay, uh, you, you could have it could be you know the the idea of sola scriptura as opposed to direct revelation from God. That you know that might be a, a big block theme that I'm working with. And so what I'll do is I'll put those things together and then you know work out a bigger theme, find a sermon that goes along with it. And y- if you uh, y- you'll you'll know that I spend a lot of time uh, listening you know listening to previewing sermons. And so it's kind of my day is spent a lot of time multitasking. Um, when I when I'm feeling well and I'm exercising, I'm listening to sermons or I'm listening to lectures. Or I'm you know previewing this and trying to figure if, how something would fit into this. Like I'm always in production mode. I'm always producing my program. So when I, when it's all said and done, um, generally things fit together nicely into a program. But but um, there are times when I've got stories. Or news items, or things that are going on, or something that somebody has said, that when I look at it, I go, okay, it doesn't quite fit this, or doesn't quite fit that. It's, if it's for lack of a better way of putting, it, it's like stuff that ends up on the fighting for the faith cutting room floor. Now I don't have a cutting room floor, but if I did, these would end up on the cutting room floor. And so the idea, but the thing is, is that in and of themselves, they're kind of interesting and kind of different. And so. Um, Maybe the right way of thinking about this. This is kind of a gross metaphor, um, but <laughs> have any of you ever taken the time to um, uh, research how hot dogs are made? <laughs> Believe me, if <laughs> when I <laughs> this is a terrible metaphor. <laughs> Somebody's going to email me and go, "Chris, that's a terrible." Ah! But um, he, he, <laughs> um, let me just put it this way: 
If you want to continue eating hot dogs and be in bliss as to what it is that you're eating, don't ever research this. But if you ever wanted to know what went into a hot dog, um, you might want you not, might need a cast iron stomach. But the idea is that it's a it's a whole lot of leftover stuff that becomes a hot dog. So anyway, this maybe I could maybe today we should think of today's edition of Fighting for the Faith is the hot dog edition. Fighting for the faith. The the moral of the story is um don't eat hot dogs. So yeah, I don't generally eat them myself. Gotta go for those kosher ones because there's real stuff in there that's not too bad for you. The other stuff I can't I just just saying, just saying. Anyway, all right, so today's edition of Fighting for the Faith, there is no theme. If you try to backwards engineer it and try to figure out what the theme is, there is no theme. These are these are news items that, well, for what for one reason or another, made it to the cutting room floor. But I picked it up and thought, you know, maybe just maybe we should uh, talk about this stuff. So rather than telling you what we're going to do, uh, well, let's just put it this way: first hour. Um, this is going to be a scattergun. This is going to be. Uh, I'm going to talk about this. Switch over to that. There's the the um, the transitions could be like uh, leaping the Grand Canyon. It really could be that bad. So I'll, I here's what I recommend doing. Um, please make yourself comfortable. Make yourself comfortable. You're going to need to be comfortable for this edition of Fighting for the Faith. Um, I, I should play the warning. That's I, I in fact I got to do that. Let's do that just because. Here we go. Warning: Fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities: operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. Yes, yeah, so there you go. You've been warned. Now, before we dive into uh, the, the segments, um, I, I teased you with the uh, idea that we're actually in the process of making a Marty Python album, but it's not Marty Python. We, we've changed the name, and the name that we've come up with is Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater. And I just wanted to give you a, 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 a kind of a teaser sample of, of what it is that we've come up with. You'll see that we've... We've definitely made an homage to uh, the folks over there at Monty Python. But uh, this is what the new intro is going to sound like once we have a chance to reproduce uh, our old sketches with the new name. And this will be uh, you know, moving on forward uh, what it sounds like. But here we go. Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. Yeah, so there's our new intro. Listen for that as I have opportunity to go back into our old archives and you know re rebrand it with our new name. So that's Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater. That's uh, what we're going to be doing for our satirical sketches moving on forward, especially since we're in the process of actually 
working through a um, an album that we're producing, so uh, which will be available for our uh, our crew members and will be available for purchase on iTunes once uh, we're done producing it. So believe me when I tell you, this <laughs> working on this album is a scream. It's there's some really funny stuff there, but uh, with that, let's dive into the program proper. Here we go. So uh, here's my question for you. Have you ever had a messenger angel show up at your house? Well, apparently they visit Patricia King all the time. Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, here's Patricia King uh, discussing the topic of messenger angels. At In today's devotion, I want to share a little bit about the subject of messenger angels, because all throughout the Bible, the Lord used angels to bring special messages. All throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, all, no, not necessarily. There, there's a few instances of angels showing up, um, but it's not really all throughout the Bible. There, but the funny thing is, in the Old Testament, uh, we have the angel of the Lord showing up, and that would be a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. That would be um second person of the Holy Trinity showing up. But okay, uh, so so just because in the Bible there's messenger angels that show up there, well, they should show up in your life too, just like Patricia King's. I have a sense in my spirit that those of you that are watching this uh, program, mm -hmm. this little devotion, are going to probably be visited in special ways by the Spirit of God and maybe by angels. Mm -hmm. she, she has a sense in her spirit. Yeah, this is another one of those uh, one-size-fits-all Una prophecies. Uh, so if you're hearing this, uh, you know, get some food out. You know, I don't know what they like to eat, but um, you, you may be visited by a messenger angel. That he sends to bring you fresh revelation from heaven. Uh, what? <laughs> hang on a second here. I think I want to hear this one in context. I'm backing it up. I, hang on. Uh, program, this little devotion are going to probably be visited in special ways by the Spirit of God and maybe by angels that he sends to bring you fresh revelation from mm, Apparently, biblical revelation is stale. Yeah, it's... I didn't know this. The Bible has a shelf life. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you might want to look at the shelf life. Oh, look, it's 2,000 years old. The early, the youngest part of these scriptures, 2,000 years old. Yeah, it's not very fresh. We need some fresh revelation, so... Yeah, uh, expect a visitation from the Spirit of God or from uh, messenger angels. Heaven. You know, in Luke chapter 1, we see that God sent a messenger angel. This is in uh, verse 11. Yeah. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Sometimes when angels show up, fear grips. I had an angel one time show up, and fear gripped me, and I screamed. And when I screamed, the um, angel went out of my vision. I was so feeling bad about that because I wanted to, to... Yeah, you scared him by being scared. <sighs> Man, talk about audacity. Um... Okay, so here's the problem. Luke chapter 1, verse 11, okay? If you were to read the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, or the, the Gospel according to Luke, um, uh, the Evangelion kata lukan, um, you would discover that, um, yes, indeed, 
a messenger angel showed up and talked with Zechariah. The same angel, Gabriel, showed up and had a chat with Mary. Okay, unique, rare um, thing indeed. Why was the why was the this angel showing up? Why? Because Jesus was about to come into the world. Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, God the Son, uh, God in human flesh, God incarnate. Um, that that God, the one and only God, was going to show up in human flesh. So, the when the angel showed up to you know give the messenger, okay, there was some important stuff going on. For instance, Zechariah and his wife were uh well they were well advanced in years however their son was to be the fulfillment of the of the prophecy regarding the forerunner of Jesus Christ that would be John the Baptist the one who was prophesied in the old testament i think malachi uh that he would come and make make the straight paths so that uh, you know preparing the way of the lord so you got John the Baptist who was a it was a his life is uh, foretold in the old testament prophets and then you got the Messiah himself. His, his, uh, his prophecies are all over the Old Testament. So, yeah, there were messenger angels, but notice here what it is that the messenger, the message that he was bringing. It had to do with stuff regarding the incarnation, regarding God come to earth to save us. Um, nowhere do you find in Luke chapter 1 or 2 or... Any of the that uh, we should expect normatively as you know as Christians, you know that one of these days, you know, hey, you know, um, you should expect that, you know, at one, you know, hey, an angel's gonna just pop up and and give you a message too and some fresh revelation because you know that that old Bible has gotten really stale. See it again, and I I didn't see it with my visual uh, uh, perception, but. Um you know, I'll never forget that afterwards. Uh, but the angel said to him, do not fear, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. Now, this was a very important message because Elizabeth was old. She was very old. So it was difficult to bear a child. So the angel came and gave a very important message to the older generation. At really? <laughs> So if, uh, you know, so listen, um, if you happen to be well advanced in years and you don't realize it, but you're going to be pregnant within the next six months, you know, you might get an angel showing up just to let you know, because I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's hard. You know, you're part of the older generation, you know, and at the same time, God was speaking to the younger generation also through a messenger angel. And that was to Mary, mother of Jesus. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've heard some really dorky um, exegesis in the past, but this <laughs> this one gets about as dorky as it gets, really. So the messenger angel, first and foremost, uh, appeared to Zechariah because it was important to let Zechariah, part of the older generation, know about, you know, the challenges of you know his wife about to give birth to a, a child, but then again you know thank goodness the messenger angel also had a a message to the younger generation. It, <laughs> I <laughs> I want to go back to bed now in Luke chapter one. 
Verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. And so the angel Gabriel was sent to the younger generation as well, Mary, to let her know that a divine uh, conception was going to take place. That was a very special message. Yeah, that's an understatement, don't you think? It was a really special message that the angel had to the younger generation. <laughs> there are special messages that are going to be downloaded in this day because... <laughs> I just want to scream. <laughs> Without even skipping a beat. I mean, seriously. So, we got the angel, uh, Gabriel, uh, giving a message, special messages to the older generation and then to the younger generation. But now, we, uh, we've got special downloads coming, too. I don't know where this, did this, where did this woman learn this stuff? I mean, what Bible college has she been to? What seminary did she go to again? What is her theological training? Because this, to me, sounds like the ravings of a lunatic who has absolutely no, no formal training in theology, hermeneutics, exegesis, or anything like that. Good night. We are engaging in a brand new era, not just a new season, yeah. but a new era. And oh, yeah, yeah, it's a new era. Era is a long period of time. Tell me about it. Just watching this video was a whole era. And so we're we're starting a new era. It's a spiritual era. It's going to be an era where spiritual phenomena, spiritual visitation from God, uh, miracle signs and wonders are going to accelerate. And, and you got this from the Luke text that's all about Jesus. It's another form of, you know, narcissistic eisegesis. Even Patricia King's doing it, which doesn't surprise me. But in this next era, not only authored by God, but also on the dark side of things as well. And so we need to walk carefully with God in this hour. Yeah, we so because we got to walk carefully so that we can get those special messages for the new spiritual era that the angels are going to bring to us. Get ready for increased accelerated messages from the heart of God to you. What is it? What is an increased accelerated message? Is that a fast moving message? How fast is the message moving? Is it moving at the speed of light? Is it a message that comes across on my iPhone? How fast is this? I mean, is this accelerated message moving? Or does it just mean that these these messages are coming in quicker than ever before? And why should I listen to these messages as opposed to my Bible? I know my Bible's telling me the truth. As for you and your so-called accelerated messages, I have no reason to believe that any of these things have their origin in God, in, in the mind of God, and said... They really seem like they have their origin and genesis in the mind of Patricia King, who I'm beginning to think is about as crackpotish as William Tapley. You. These messages will come direct to you by the Holy Spirit, yeah, maybe right. through the scriptures, but possibly through messenger angels. Wow. I'm prophesying right now. Oh, really? There is an acceleration of scrolls. I see scrolls coming out of heaven, which speaks to me of messages. Some will be delivered by angels. Some, some by carrier pigeon. Directly by the Spirit. Some, some by email. Some by text message. Come through the Word and the Spirit of Revelation coming through the Word. Right. You know, if I get a scroll from heaven you know, with Patricia King's fingerprints on it, I'll be sure to burn it. Get ready. You know, a number of years ago, I had a 30-day visitation. 
30 day visitation was that why you were in prison um by the spirit of god where he unfolded to me day by day by day by day by day mysteries concerning the kingdom of god and how every believer can have access to the glory glory realm that teaching is now in our uh cd dvd format called the glory school we have yeah i've been through the entire glory school somebody a listener was actually kind enough to send me the entire set Listen to the whole thing. Wacky. I also have a manual that goes with it. And just recently, we've put it on flash drives for you so that you can have all the audio teaching, which is um, over 20 hours of lessons on how to access the glory, the voice of God, following the spirit of God, angelic visitation, etc., etc., etc. So we have the audio on that and the whole manual on a flash drive for you. Of course, you can download it online as well. But if you want to find out how you can get that signature course of XP Media, and I just, I just want to encourage you, if you do not have that course yet, go online today and get it. Yeah, I've gone through the whole thing. It's, it's, um, yeah. Um, if it was, yeah, it's not worth a penny. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not even worth free. It's. You will never be the same again um yeah I, after listening to the whole thing i was still the same on xpmedia.com go on the resource store and order it the glory school get ready for increased visitation yeah it was funny i you know i did the glory school man a year and a half ago still have not had any increase in any visitations for increased messages not a single message either no downloads i mean maybe my my downloader is broken from God, you will you will be amazed in these coming days what God is going to speak to you. No, because the voice of the Lord, the sound of His heartbeat, the sound of His His His, his message is going to be illuminated for His people in this hour. Yeah, um, I, I'll stick to my Bible. Thanks, Patricia. Okay, <laughs> we're going to take a break here for a second and uh, pay some bills and. When we come back, continue with our hot dog edition of <laughs> Fighting for the... F I, I can't believe that's what I'm going to call this thing. Um, anyway, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Church. The management of Marty 
Python Slang Circus Church would like to again apologize. Normally, we try to do parody here at Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, the church continues to just parody itself. Case in point, Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed shofar CD. This is a real commercial. When Rabbi Michael Zeitler blows the shofar, miracles take place. He wants to see God break every stronghold of the enemy in your life, healing you emotionally, physically, even in your relationships, bringing salvation to your entire household. Call now and receive both Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed audio CD, Sound of the Shofar, plus his brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, for a donation of $25. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9081. Listen to this anointed audio CD. Allow God's glory to fill the room as Rabbi Zeitler shares from the scriptures and then blows the shofar over every issue you are facing, including mental and emotional disorders, confusion, fear, stress, grief, nightmares, insomnia, pain, sickness and disease, addictions, eating disorders, weight loss, injustices, persecution, finances, marriages, rebellious children, freedom from the occult and demonic oppression, and so much more. Through Rabbi Zeitler's brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, you will learn how you and your family can obtain supernatural protection in the midst of the end time judgments about to be unleashed on planet earth don't miss out on getting both rabbi michael zeitler's anointed audio cd sound of the shofar plus his brand new prophetic book why israel is supernatural for a donation of 25 dollars, shipping and handling is included ask for offer number 9081 call or write today more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseboro here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Morning. People who say that they're hearing from messenger angels and are ex- having accelerated downloads, they're crackpots, they're lunatics, they're not telling you anything for real about God. Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means that we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world, and you can partner with us financially by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com, and when you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 460. 
three eight. Um, oh boy, I got to make a decision here. Let's do this story right now. From the Christian Post, the headline reads: Minnesota Church launches service for unsure Christians. An unsure Christian. Isn't faith being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we cannot see? But I digress. I, I mean, I don't need to mean to get scripture in the way of someone's uncertainty. But <clears throat> so Minnesota Church launches. Uh, this is written by Emma Kuntz of the Christian Post. Uh, the story reads: Minnesota's first United uh, Methodist Church. Yeah, that's a bad combo. Minnesota and First United Methodist. All right, has taken a new approach for reconnecting congregants to their faith. My question is faith in what? Uh, The church in St. Cloud is asking people who have averted from their faith to attend their services, which will be less preachy. Hmm, less preachy. What exactly does that mean? I mean, how do I reconnect with my faith and trust in Jesus Christ if the service that I'm going to attend isn't going to preach God's word to me and proclaim the gospel and placard Christ and him crucified for my sins. Then again, maybe what they mean by preachy is, okay, we'll lay off on the heavy moralism and we'll only give you, like, moralism light. I wonder what they mean. Anyway, so let's see here. So starting Saturday... First United Methodist Church will offer congregants who aren't so sure about church a service that consists mostly of just music and meditation. Will they sit in the pews in the lotus position? Uh, A music of music and meditation. Come and enjoy the music and meditate. Uh, okay, uh, could somebody please show me um, the great examples of biblical meditators out there? What what exactly does that mean? Okay, so the new church service will be offered the first Saturday of each month and will combine inspirational readings, music, and meditation. Our hope, this is a quote, our hope is that this service will be a safe place to re-enter the Christian spiritual life and find acceptance and healing and wholeness. <laughs> I read that in my best Stuart Smalley voice. Um, acceptance, healing, and wholeness? What's that? I mean, <clears throat> again, so my question is, what is their faith in over there? So the altered church service is a result of a low church attendance, and many other churches across the United States are being affected by the ever-shrinking numbers of parishioners. Why don't you preach the gospel? Why don't you preach Christ and him crucified for our sins? Open up the biblical text as if it's authoritative. Jesus preached with as one with authority. Why don't you preach his words with his authority? See what happens. Anyway, Meyer explained the low church attendance saying, part of the reason that people disconnect is because it's just a natural part of growing up or forging your own identity. And religion has been used in some manipulative ways, in some harmful ways. Hmm. Raise a child up in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it, Scripture says. But apparently, according to Meyer here, you know, growing away from your faith is just a natural part of growing up. Um, Maybe it's a natural part of liberal th- theological raising. I think that might be the thing. 
Anyway, music will play a key role in the Minnesota Church's new service with rotating core of musicians playing numerous instruments. We want to emphasize God's loving presence in our lives, Meyer told the local newspaper. Uh, we believe that there are people who are looking for authenticity, healing, and spiritual connection that this service will serve. What's authenticity? Healing from what? What is spiritual connection? What exactly does that mean? What I mean, this is complete gibberish. Anyway, Meyer noted that his church church's offering is the first of its kind in the state. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, yeah, this is, it sounds like the same old stuff that we hear from the same old people. Anyway, as far as we're aware, no one else in this area is offering this type of service that honors silence, acoustic music, art, and meditative prayer in this format. Honors silence so so somebody who's unsure about their faith can come and honor silence right i wish they'd practice it full on and just keep their mouths and their music to themselves okay moving along here in today's uh again it's kind of like a hot dog uh this is the cutting room scraps of uh, uh what you know what's on the floor from this week uh, research wise uh, okay, let's see. Oh, yeah. You know, it's been a while since we've done a Bill Johnson update, but this isn't actually a Bill Johnson update. Uh, I think his wife's name is Benny, and um, she's... Uh, pretty much as weirded out as he is. Yeah, let me just kill the music there. Uh, but here's uh, Benny Johnson talking about um, uh, somebody getting whacked by the Holy Spirit and uh, told to go and go to a church and say, wakey, wakey. Yeah, listen in here. One more story and then I'll talk about my sword. We have, um, what, 250 international students at our school this year, and one of them from England had an experience, actually, excuse me, she's from Wales, not England, excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, she had an experience with an angel before she came to the school. Was it a messenger angel? She woke up one morning, and the Lord spoke to her and said, I want you to go to Mariah Chapel and say, wakey, wakey. What? How many of you have heard this story? Oh, cool, not very many. Awesome. <laughs> Such a fun story. And she argued with God, and she didn't win. So she went to the chapel. How many of you have been to Mariah Chapel in Wales? Okay, Mariah Chapels is the site of the 1904 revival where Evan Roberts was. Okay, it's where the outpouring began. Actually, the outpouring began in a little chapel somewhere else in Wales that I can't pronounce the name. And I was just there and got whacked by God. That little chapel is not tarnished. And you can sit in the seat that Evan got 
touched by the Holy Spirit. Touched is too nice of a word. He got whacked. Just whacked. And you can sit in that chair and feel what happened in that room that day. It was huh? It's amazing. So <clears throat> anyway, she, she gets up and she goes to Mariah Chapel and she stands in front of the chapel and she goes, wakey, wakey. And the Lord whispers to her and says, how, is that how bad you want it? So God's whispering her to her and challenging her to say, wakey, wakey at the Mariah Chapel. And she didn't say it loud enough. So God challenged her to say it louder. Okay. So she stood there, and I mean, it's right there on the busy street. And she said, of course, there were all kinds of people there that day. And she yelled, wakey, wakey. And walked, turned around and walked away. And when she turned around and walked away, she felt the earth shake under her feet. And uh, she turned around and saw this huge angel. She is a seer. She can see into the spirit realm. And she saw this huge angel stand up. Get up. Just get up. What on earth does this have to do with biblical Christianity? Answer, it doesn't. Two things that this reminds me of. Um, yeah, yeah, two things. Number one, hey, I used to work at Disneyland. And um, here, let's... <clears throat> As a as a former cast member at Disneyland, uh, you know I have particular privileges when it comes to you know being able to do special magical things. So, uh, those do you remember the Tiki Room? <clears throat> Hang on a second, Jose, Jose, it's time to wake up. It's it, we, we've got a show to do here. Wake up, Jose. Oh, buenos dias, señorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Oh, look at all the people. And welcome to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Hey, Michael, me amigo, pay attention, it's Joe time. So it is, and what darling people I have sitting under me. Pierre, you rascal, you, let's put on the show. Mon ami, I am always ready, as you say, to put on the show. <whistles> oh, pardon, madame, that whistle was for my good friend, Fritz. Ach, to lieber, I almost fell out of my upper perch. Uh, glad to see you all aboard, uh, uh, sure, or... <laughs> Wherever you are, my goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Ole, ole, it's showtime. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. Sing it if you know it. Sing words and the flowers boom. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. Welcome to our tropical hideaway, you lucky people, you. If we weren't in the show starting right away, we'd be the audience too. All together now. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. All the birds sing word and the flowers groom. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. Yeah, thank you, Jose and the gang. Yeah, okay, so I told you uh, Benny's story here uh, reminds me of two things. And it's funny because the Tiki Room reminds me of the second. Yeah, so let me regale you with the story again here, at least sum it up. Um, Somebody she knows who's apparently a seer who can see into the spirit realm heard from God to go to Mariah Chapel and say, wakey, wakey. She goes and says, wakey, wakey, says it loud finally, and then she turns around and, and there's this big angel. Okay, um, here's the thing that scares me about this. 
those of you familiar with um, ancient religious history, back in the old days when idolatry, you know, at least wasn't lazy idolatry. I mean, we're talking about full-blown, ready-to-do-what-it-takes idolatry. They used to, well, carve idols out of stone or wood or, or you know, put them together and put silver or gold on them. I mean, you know, being an idolater, I mean, took some work. But what was interesting is is that back in the day, you know, they would build temples where they would put these idols and there would be priests who would tend to these idols. And part of their ritual was to wake up their god on a morning-by-morning morning basis. They would go into um, their temple, you know, like Dagon. You know, take Dagon, for instance. You know, the, 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 the priest of Dagon would show up there in the temple of Dagon, and, uh, and they would, you know, wakey-wakey, Dagon, time for a new morning. And they would have to wake and feed and care for their um, deity. Weird. Just, just that Benny Johnson's telling us this story. And she had the sense enough to talk to the angel. I, you know, I just don't know what I would have done. You know, you ever think about that? What if this great big huge angel st stood up? I mean, it was a huge, big, really big angel. Would you have the sense to talk to it, or would you run the other direction? <laughs> she said, um, why are you here? And the angel said, I'm the angel of a 1904 revival. Yeah, probably the angel forgot to tell you the other part of his title. What? See, if the angel was really being forthright with its full title, it should have said, I'm the fallen angel associated with the 1904 revival. Yeah, see, yeah, because here's the deal. Yes, a demon can say things like, yeah, I'm an angel. And you know what? The demon would be telling you kind of the truth. But see, the thing is, is that demons are fallen angels. And she said, well, are you the angel that's bringing the next one? And he goes, no, I'm not the one, because the next one is going to bring many, 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 many more souls into the kingdom. See, that revival that happened in 1904 moved all over the world, and Azusa Street in L.A., California, started because of William Seymour and Evan Roberts corresponding with each other. And that's a whole nother story. I can tell you stories. If you ever want to read an encounter about Azusa Street, is get the book, They Told They Told Him This Story. Yeah. Amazing encounters. So, um, yeah, okay, I've heard enough. <laughs> wow. And so I come back to the question that I formulated earlier this week. What on earth does any of that have to do with Christ's command to go and make disciples of all nations? baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that Christ has commanded. In other words, teaching them all of God's Word. Hmm, yeah, I, I didn't see Benny there with an open Bible. Isn't that weird? I mean, here she's claiming that she's got all the spiritual Holy Spirit stuff going on and closed Bible and telling all kinds of interesting stories that are um weird, to say the least. Um, Yeah, I think this is a supreme distraction. Okay, last story, uh, last thing we're going to cover in this hour, and then we're going to go to our break and come back for our sermon review. We're going to be reviewing a, a 
sermon from Grace Point Church. Uh, they're the folks who did the Christmas Doesn't Suck sermon. And uh, I got a sermon from their head pastor, Mike Snow, that I'm going to be reviewing in hour number two. But uh, I, he, uh, disturbing uh, news uh, for those of you out there who uh, follow Melissa Fisher and hang on her every word because, you know, Melissa Fisher, who uh, works with Patricia King and the gang, it's been a while since she's updated her video channel there at xpmedia.com. And uh, we lovingly refer to Melissa as the Holy Spirit's answering machine. Well, um, I don't know how else to put it, but it seems that maybe uh, Melissa Fisher's job as the Holy Spirit's answering machine is in jeopardy. Yeah, it, I... The reason I say this is because, well, I'm looking at a blog post from Perry Noble's website, and it looks like um, he may have gotten an assignment from the Holy Spirit, uh, literally Holy Spirit answering machine style, uh, in the same way as Melissa Fisher. But uh, uh, unlike Melissa Fisher, Melissa Fisher actually takes the time to, you know, put together a video blog post. Um, so I think, you know, she's got better chops than he does, but I mean, it looks like he's kind of an upstart in the Holy Spirit answering machine department. Here's what I mean. On January 5th, that would be yesterday, uh, uh, Perry Noble put up a blog post entitled, I don't believe, I I don't believe God's through with you. That's the name of it. So you find this at perrynoble.com. The blog post date is January 5th, 2012. Here's what it says. Perry writes, he says, I'm not sure who I'm writing this to, but I feel led to let someone know God's not through with you. (laughs) It makes me wonder, will Perry Noble take out a channel at xpmedia.com? Has he, maybe over the holidays, he uh, downloaded and watched Patricia King's Glory School, and now he's having... Messenger angels visit him and giving him accelerated downloads. It just makes me wonder, you know. But, uh, <laughs> oh, man, here, here, here's what he says. He says, for weeks, months, maybe even years, you have bought into the lie that it's over. So this is all part of the message that he got from the Holy Spirit. When it <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> what is that passage in the Bible that talks about how deceivers will go from bad to worse? Anyway, for weeks, the, the, sorry, <clears throat> You know what I need to do? Let's see if I can do this. I I don't even know if I still have the ability to do this. Hang on a second here. There, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> yeah, there it is. No, yes. All right. Yeah, that works. Okay, <clears throat> I'll do this in my best Holy Spirit voice. Hi, Perry. This is the Holy Spirit. I've got a message for somebody, and I don't even know if you know who they are, but. I'm just going to impress this on your heart and maybe you can, you know, write a blog post about it so that, you know, you know, because you've got a lot of people who read your blog and, you know, I've been talking to Melissa Fisher and, and uh, she just hasn't been really good at putting videos up lately. And so my messages are just not getting out. And, and so I I was wondering if, could, could you put a blog post together and, uh, and just let's, I don't know who it is. I forgot, but uh, just let that person know whoever it is. They'll know. They'll figure it out that uh, that I'm not through with them yet. Just if you could do that for me, I, I'd really appreciate it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's. <laughs> so uh, 
Apparently, Perry Noble is competing with Melissa Fisher for the job of Holy Ghost answering machine. But let me read the message here because you know, we do it. And, you know, one of the services that we've offered to Melissa in the past is audience enhancement or multiplication. So let's help. You know, let's help the Holy Spirit get the message out for whoever this person is. So Perry Rice says, "I'm not sure who I'm writing this to, but I feel led to let somebody know God is not through with you for weeks, months, maybe even years." You have bought into the lie that it's over. When it comes to you doing something great for God, after all, you did fill in the blank. He doesn't know. And because of that, uh, that there's no way he could ever use you. Let me be very clear and to the point. If God were done with you, then he would not, He would have killed you. Oh, <laughs> there's a positive thought. But the very fact that you have air in your lungs right now means that he's not through with you. But Perry, I screwed up, you might say. Well, of course you did. We all do, which is not an excuse to go out and screw up your life, but rather a reminder that in the Bible, the only people God used were people who had screwed up. So there you go. There's more to the message. If you're you you know, if you're thinking, you know, man, that, that message is for me, uh, visit Perry Noble's website, perrynoble.com, uh, where Perry Noble apparently is now vying for the... Um, the job of of Holy Ghost answering machine and competing with Melissa Fisher. I just, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, we are up on our second break. Um, if you would like to email me regarding anything that you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. Because only good theology leads people to heaven, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Rosebro here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith, sermon review time. 
not a long sermon, but it, um, well, you'll see. All right, here we go. The good, the bad, and, well, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Grace Point Church, Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Mike Snow presiding. You know, I, I often get questions. Why do I do sermon reviews? Let me let me tell you real quick. You'll find out why as we go through them, but... Um, I do them and I review bad sermons because it helps people it, when I sit in and listen along and point out where things are going wrong in a sermon so that they can apply that type of discernment to the church that they're at. Because it's an intimidating thing when you are listening with discernment to a pastor. Why? Because many pastors pass themselves off as the man of God as God's anointed, and you can't challenge them or question them or say, wait a second, that doesn't square with Scripture. They don't take criticism very well. And oftentimes when they're deceiving people, it takes a while for people to kind of build up the ability to know what's really going wrong before they're, they're ready to analyze it. So sermon reviews help people learn why what somebody is doing is wrong in the pulpit okay that's the idea so it helps tune discernment ears if you would now the name of our sermon that we're going to be reviewing today is um is deadly viper assassin of character it's this is the first sermon in the deadly viper sermon series and this one's apparently about things that assassinate your character as you're listening to this I want you to pay attention to the light, glib, surfacy, shallow treatment of sin that Mike Snow engages in in this sermon. And then we're going to see if the solution to the problem that he adds here is Christ and him crucified for our sins, the forgiveness of sins won by Christ shed blood on the cross. If not, then, well, it's not much of a Christian sermon. So. Without any further ado, here is Mike Snow and Deadly Viper, Assassin of the Character. Here we go. Okay, I gotta explain. So the sermon begins with a kind of a really kitschy video of a ninja in a neighborhood. And now we got a guy sitting down in his house holding an apple. He's about ready to eat the apple. 
that all of a sudden a dark black figure comes out of the shadows in ninja garb and using a karate roundhouse kick kicks the apple out of the man's hand and then instead gives him a Snickers that's like twice as large as normal Snickers And now he's, rather than eating the apple, he is eating this super large snicker bar. His character has been assassinated by a ninja. Oh, but wait, things have gone badly. He's got chocolate all over his face and his fingers, and it looks like he's suffering from a tummy ache. He could have had an apple and had character, but no, he ate a Snickers bar, and now... He's suffering from indigestion. Isn't that how sin? I mean, um, bad decisions operate. <laughs> and there's Mike Snow um, in a ninja pose. Deadly Viper, character assassin, Snickers bar. Let's all stand. Uh, what are they standing for? Are you as excited as I am? Yeah. I'm so excited! I want us to begin our very first worship experience together in 2012 by going to God in a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning because you have come to us. And God, we know that you desire a personal relationship with every single one of us. And so God, as we begin this year, no better place, no better way to start it than to come together and worship you. God, we thank you for this January 1 of 2012, and I know that you have an amazing plan and an amazing purpose in and through every single one of us as we live a life fully for you. We love you, and we praise you, and we give this day to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and we all said. Amen. You can have a seat. Welcome to week one. How's everybody feeling this morning? This is my slept in, got some extra sleep, not as hung over crowd. I love a church that parties responsibly. This is, this is, this is a group of people that I, mean, I can so relate to all of you because I know you're here today because you're excited that we get to talk about your character flaws. <laughs> I know that's exactly what you got out of bed this morning. Notice he if didn't he say did. sin. I want to go somewhere today. I want to go somewhere this morning right out of the gate. Day one, I want to go somewhere where somebody can just totally scream and yell at me about how screwed up I am. <laughs> Let that soak in for a minute. 
Now, here's what I know. As we get into this deadly viper character assassin series, it's all about the, the deadly viper, the poison that is in our lives, the, the, the sin that is in our lives, and the, the character assassins, these ninjas that are the temptations that are in our lives. Not the singing group, but the temptations that go on and, as, as things like, that chick is hot. Or, or, or things like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't want to go to work today. Okay, I'm going to point something out. The, notice the language he's using here. It almost makes it sound like we're a victim of something outside of us rather than suffering from a defect in a corrupted sinful nature that we've inherited from Adam and Eve. This is important. You, if you're going to treat sin biblically, you have to treat it for what it is. Absolute abject rebellion against God that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And all of us who are descendant of Adam and Eve are by nature sinners. That means we sin because of a corrupted sinful nature and that by nature we are dead in trespasses and sin and at war with God. So we're not victims here. We are perps. We are we are criminals. We are rebels against the Most High God. But notice what he's also saying here. Oh, these things that creep up that, you know, you know, attack our character. No, we're all born with bad character. Not one of us has good character by nature. We get, there's some big problems already with this sermon. Let's continue. Or, or the things like, yeah, sure, they, they, they gave me too much change back, but, yeah, I'll just keep it. Or I don't, Theft. I don't need to give to God. Why do I need to give to God? He doesn't need my money. All of these character issues lead up to an observation that I've made. Here it is. Are you ready? Yeah. This is a very back and forth day. I need you to, to respond. Are you ready? I am guessing that no one in this room woke up this morning and said, you know what? Today, I want to go out and just completely ruin my life. Right? Am I correct? Did anybody do that? By a show of hands, because if you did, we need to get you some help. We need to take you to a mental ward. Now, we don't wake up and say, you know what? Today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of bed, put my feet on the floor, and then I'm going to go into work, and I am just going to completely cuss my coworker out because he deserves it. And if my boss doesn't like it, I'll cuss him out. Like, we don't consciously say that we're going to do that. We don't get out of bed and say, today, 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 I think what I'll do is I'm going to tell my wife I want a divorce. Like, I just thought of this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get up today, and I'm going to tell my wife that I want a divorce. And yet, it's going to happen. Like, we're, we're going to find ourselves in situations... That, that we're doing things that we would have never 
imagined ourselves doing, but all of a sudden we find ourselves there. We find ourselves doing it, and we didn't just all of a sudden show up there. It was a creep. It was a slow fade to where we're at now, right? We have these assassins of our character that is, they're like stealthy. They're like assassins of our character. See, notice this is backwards. No, this is absolutely 180 degrees wrong. Let me give you the biblical passages to kind of help out here. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll explain what we're, where we're going with this. If you have your Bible, flip on over to Ephesians chapter 2. This is Paul writing to the Christians in the churches, the church in Ephesus, okay, and reminding them of what they were before they were Christians. And here's what he says, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, notice, the way he's setting this this problem up um, the problem is is that there's these things out there, these assassins of character that want to come in and creep into our lives and assassinate our character. No, that's that's backwards. The reason why we do all of those terrible things, which result in other human beings viewing us as people of bad character, is because by nature we're... We're objects of God's wrath. By nature, we are dead in trespasses and sins. By nature, we are at war with God and children of the devil. Romans chapter 3 picks up on a similar theme. And here's what it says, starting at verse, uh, verse 10. It says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery in the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So before you can understand the biblical gospel, the true core of the Christian message, you must first come to grips with the real depth and magnitude of the problem that the gospel addresses. And that is, is that we are by nature enemies of God. We don't, you know, here's the deal. We're not sinners because we sin. No, that's what he, that, the way Pastor Snow is teaching here. Okay. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We have a corrupted, sinful human nature. And by nature, when we are conceived and born, we are born dead in trespasses and sins. We are born not on the side of God and the angels. We are born dead and on the side of Satan and the demons. 
That's why Jesus says to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, right? So, yeah, we've got a real problem here because you can't teach biblical Christianity and the Christian gospel with this backwards understanding that somehow we're victims of these temptations that come in and try to assassinate our character as if the default mode that we're all in is having good character. No, the default mode of every human being is bad character. We continue. Coming out of the dark, and every single day we're tempted. Every single day we have, we have an issue that we're vulnerable. Our sin in our life causes us every single day to be vulnerable to character creep. As a matter of fact, I've got a little bit of an illustration. I want to bring up my good friend, Ron E. Burgess. Come on up, Ronnie. Can we give Ron E. a round of applause? And I want us to, to kind of consider what this looks like when it comes to us being vulnerable and us having a life that is really lived where we have these these ninjas that are all around us what you don't know is he's said he's this given a dartboard to this other pastor and he's holding up the dartboard right here he's going to throw the darts now, at this you guy you want to talk about developing some character our family has been playing darts. The good news for you, Ronnie, is that I've been playing darts now for a whole week. <laughs> and so, this is a good picture. Take a good look. This is what it looks like. How many of you are nervous for Ronnie? Because <laughs> these are not, this is not a soft, you know, this is not Velcro. I mean, they might not be metal, but they're hard plastic. They, they do some damage. I got holes all over our wall. That make you feel good? It was dawn, right? Yeah, it was dawn. But see, we're vulnerable. And every single day when we get up, we got, we got poison darts. Ninjas are, are, are coming at us and they're like... And we're sitting there going, man, why did I just say that? That was so stupid. Why, why did I just do that? That was so stupid. And it's because we're vulnerable. We live each and every day. No, it's not that we're vulnerable. It's that we are by nature sinners. Not fully recognizing that the darts are flying, buddy. They're coming at us. And sometimes they come even harder. I'll tell you what's interesting about this picture right here. It's for, for all of us and mostly for you men, all right? Just pay attention. The two areas where we're the most vulnerable is in our minds and in our crotches. Think about it, men. We make some dumb decisions. And it always starts there before it ever gets there. And we, and we think that we're guarding our heart, right? I got my heart. It's, but it's not just about guarding the heart. I mean, they're flying. They're coming at us. 
He keeps throwing darts at the dartboard that his fellow pastor guy is holding up. I'm like really pretty good at this. It's like stupid human tricks. But there is going to be a time where just going to church, can I get an amen? amen. It's not enough. Just saying, you know what? I'm going to read my Bible one day a week. I'm going to fill up my head. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to do me good until I get back to church on Sunday. And then they can develop my character for me. Nope. We got to spend every single day of every single week knowing that we're responsible for developing our character. We're responsible for developing self-control in our lives. We're the ones responsible for guarding ourselves against these ninjas and these darts that come flying because we're not always safe. Let's give Ronnie a round of applause. Get off the stage before you hit me. I hope that that might be a, an image, a picture that you'll like remember. There's nothing better than an image. You know, a picture's worth a thousand words. Sometimes it's, I could stand up here all day long and, and talk to you about how every one of us is vulnerable. Every one of us has weaknesses. Every one of us has sin. No better time than on January 1, today, than to get honest and get real and say, you know what, I have areas in my life where I'm weak. I have areas in my life where I have sin and I have areas in my Areas. Yeah, see, the most part, it's all good. But see, there's these fringe areas where there's... No, no, no. We're corrupted through and through. This is a very, very weak treatment of uh, the, the issue of sin. ...life that I need to give over control to God. And it starts with... I need to give over control. So I got these areas that I just need to give over. Here you go, God. Here, here I'm going to give this... Ay, ay, ay. Um... Yeah, you skipped, like, the cross. Oh, man. Where does the forgiveness of sins come in? Me owning my development of my character. See, it's exactly what it looks like. Proverbs 25 paints a great picture. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Okay, yes, that's exactly what Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says. It says a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. That's exactly what that proverb says. But you need to understand the context of understanding the Proverbs. Okay? You can think of Proverbs as wisdom in third use of the law. Now, those of you who are not familiar with what I'm talking about... Uh, when we talk about the law, okay, we're talking about God's moral law that applies to everybody. There are three uses for it, and here's the deal. We don't really get to pick the use, 
Okay, it's when somebody says the three uses of the law, it's not like the law comes with a dial and you're going to dial it in. Here's first use and here's second use and then there's third use. It's not like you can set it to stun or kill or anything like that. The job of a pastor is to preach God's law and to preach it in such a way that God, the Holy Spirit, gets to set the dial for who's listening. Okay, and that means you just preach it straight. Okay, so here's the deal. Proverbs has at the beginning of it a very important saying, and that is this. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The information that's given to us in the book of Proverbs is information that applies only to Christians. Why? Because third use of the law only really applies to Christians. Okay, Because here's the deal. First use of the law is that use that's used by the government. Government uses the law to basically curb curb evil in our life, to keep it under control, to keep it in check. And so God has established civil authorities throughout different regions of the world whose job it is to punish sinners. And so God puts into the hand of the government the sword. Okay, The sword is to punish sinners. To and you basically threaten them with bodily harm or death if they uh, if they engage in behavior where they think they can just wantonly steal, kill, and destroy uh, the, the property or person of their neighbor. Okay, so that's first use of the law. Second use of the law is the primary use, and this is the law the use that's really clearly spelled out in the book of Romans as well as the book of Galatians. And the second use of the law tells us that um, it shows us that we are dead in trespasses and sins so that when we measure our lives against God's holy and perfect standard of righteousness and moral behavior, what we see coming back in that reflection when we hold our lives up to that mirror is that we do not keep God's law and that we are guilty of sinning against God in thought, in word, and in deed. Sin is not just something to do with what we do, okay? It also has to do with our motives and our thoughts, and it really springs up from the heart, okay? So the primary use of the law is the use that tells us you are a rotten, wretched, guilty sinner, and God has every right, according to his justice and what is justice, to throw your scrawny little carcass into the lake of fire for eternity, because that's what you've earned for rebelling against him and sinning as you have. Okay, yeah, That's just to put it in your face bluntly. Okay, Primary use of the law. Third use of the law is only for a Christian. It is only for a Christian. Because here's the deal. A Christian understands that Jesus Christ has kept the requirements of the law perfectly for us. And our sin was put on him when he was on the cross. You think of it as the great exchange. So the idea is is that on the cross, our sin was laid on Christ, and we're, we're brought to repentance and faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, not only uh, you know do we receive the forgiveness of our sins because they were taken care of by Christ, but Christ's perfect righteousness is imputed to us as if we're the ones who lived it. Okay, so God sees us no longer as sinner, but He sees us clothed in the righteous robes of Jesus. He, you know, not you know not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but the righteousness that is by faith. So we grasp onto this righteousness and hold on to this righteousness by faith. 
But see, here's the thing is, is that when we're regenerated, there's a new man that does good works. And so the third use of the law shows us what a good work is. So what happens is, is that when we hear the command in God's law, you shall not murder. Okay. When you flip the, the third use of the law flips it into a positive that says, ah, rather than killing my neighbor, I'm going to protect my neighbor. I'm going to uh, help you basically ensure that his property, his employees, his family, all, that everybody does what they're supposed to do. And you, and you, know, you are an advocate for your neighbor rather than somebody who wants to kill him. Does that make sense? So the idea then is is that when we understand God's law and what it does, we understand it lawfully and biblically, and then we understand that in the Proverbs it says the fear of God is the beginning of all is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Then we understand this that all of these proverbs show us what good works are, or you know, by and they do it by both positive example as well as negative example, okay, and shows us now then how to walk out a life that is regenerated. What to do? You know what what it looks like to do the good works that God desires for us to do, and we do them not because we have to. We do them because we are a new creature in Christ, and our new nature does good works by nature. Okay, You breathe because that's what your body does by nature. Good works are the breath of the Christian. They are. And that's why James writes in in his epistle that just as the body that is not breathing is dead, so faith without works is dead. You got it? So here's the deal. So yeah, it's true. A person without self-control is like a house with its with its doors and windows knocked out, Proverbs 25, 28. But the problem is this, is that he's not, this passage doesn't deal with what the real problem is as to why we sin. This is really misapplying Proverbs 25, 28 because he's applying it to the wrong problem. And he's avoiding, or maybe he's not even aware of, the passages that address specifically the problem that he's tried to kind of bring up. The problem is he's framed it backwards. Everything is upside down, and he's not really dealing with the depth and magnitude of, of the real problem that we all face in our lives. This is a grievous error because at this point, the gospel wouldn't make sense if he were to preach it. All right. It's like we have taken the doors, thrown them wide open. We've taken the windows. We've thrown them up. And it's like, come on in. When we sit here and we say, you know what? I don't have any weaknesses. I don't need to develop my character. I've been developing my character for long enough. I'm good to go. That's when you are the most vulnerable. Guys, if you think that you don't have any problem with lust, if you think you don't have any problem... As long as we still have our sinful flesh, we are vulnerable to sin and temptations brought to us by the devil. ...with desiring the, the opposite sex. If you think you don't have any problem with alcohol or any problem with, with smoking or, or drugs or anything, where you think you're the least vulnerable is probably where you're the most vulnerable. Did you catch that? When we think we're safe, we're not. That's why we have to keep our guard up. And it's exactly why we need to start this series today talking about how we have to own our own character development. We have to own our own ability to control our desires. We have to have that self-control. I love the way this is put. It says, character is the thing we alone are responsible to form. 
to build. Okay, character is the thing we alone are responsible to form and build. I'm not familiar with this doctrine. In fact, this sounds to me like it runs contrary to a, a clear passage. Um, yeah, um, here, here we go. Um, Galatians chapter 5. Okay, now notice he's made the, the claim that the, supposedly the Bible teaches that we alone are responsible for building our character. Galatians chapter 5 I'll start at verse 13. Let's see what this says. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. For through, But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not being consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoking one another, envying one another. So, yeah, um, Galatians 5 is one of these passages that deals specifically with sanctification. And what Paul is saying here doesn't sound like it's all, you're on your own, develop your own character here. He, he, but instead he describes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as the fruit of the Spirit. Hmm. We continue. We build it with hope, change, and living a life of wisdom, courage, and self-control. That's what we're talking about today, self-control. Here's the question that we all need to ask ourselves. Can you make yourself do something you don't particularly want to do in order to get a result you want to have? Um, does the Bible teach us that... Uh, the So is this a question of the Spirit that produces the fruit of the Spirit? I don't understand what the solution here is. And how is it that you can talk about sin and not talk about the solution to our sin, which is a, uh, which is a crucified and risen Savior? I mean, do you just skip over the forgiveness of sins part? I'm confused. Are you willing to make a decision today? And, and see, you know what it is. We don't have to bring in a psychic. We don't have to, to, to bring in a, a, someone who knows how to read your mind to be able to, to get you to understand what you need to change, where you need to have your character developed. 
See, because you can. I, I, apparently, I, I just need to make a decision. I don't even, since it's all up to me, that's what he said. It's all up to you to change your character. Um, and I just need to make a decision about the, that area of my life that I need to whatever, surrender or something. Um, I, what do I need Jesus for then? I mean, I, I mean, I could do this as a Muslim. I could do this as a Buddhist. I could do this as an atheist. You know, just look at my life and want to clean things up. Have y'all ever read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin? Benjamin Franklin actually concocted some kind of a system for, you know, every day, you know, monitoring his progress and moral improvement and, you know, being a better Ben Franklin. I mean, it didn't work out so good for him. But, I mean, I mean, I mean, wow. I mean, what an example of a Christian that he must have been, even though he didn't believe in Christ. Hmm, weird. And, like, look to your, your person on the right and say, I'm good to go. Now, look back to that person and say, you correct to that person and say, you crazy. <laughs> All right? You're not fooling anybody. Seriously, we're not fooling anybody. And, and hear this. You're especially not fooling God. It's like we can fool this character and we can fool this cat but we can't fool God. Denial is, is it, it, that's like you talk about being stuck in a lack of character development. It starts with shedding the denial. And say, you know what? I am responsible for developing my character. And here's why. A lack of self-control, I love this, a lack of self-control can lead to disaster. And see, we're going we're gonna to give you Biblical opportunities, a foundation from Scripture every single week to go beyond here and get into the Word and read examples. And so a lack of self-control that can lead to a disaster, a perfect example of this, is one of the, the greatest warriors that we know of in Scripture, and that is with King David. But I want you to write this down somewhere. I want you to go home and do this today. Go home and read 2 Samuel chapter 11. And what you're going to see here is a perfect example of how King David, this is the same David who was a shepherd boy, who as a shepherd boy ended up taking out Goliath, the giant. Took him out with one rock and a sling. Ended up becoming the king. But even as the king, he still had to allow God to shape and mold him to develop his character but he wait didn't you just say that we have to do this all by ourselves hmm got lazy and when he got lazy it led to a disaster in his life and so second Samuel chapter 11 please take that go home and read that and then here's what I want you to do I want us to uh, to go out on Facebook. How many of you, by a show of hands, have Facebook, by the way? And so I just want to make sure you know this. I'm not telling you to go get Facebook so you can do this. There's other ways that you can, you can share your witness, all right? But what I want us to do is to start some chatter out on Facebook. And it's a way for us to witness. And go out there instead of, you know, just talking about this or talking about that. 
Talk about what you are learning and what you learned from this particular scripture, this example in scripture. Don't just sit there and type out some of the scripture. Actually talk about what you're learning. Where is God speaking to you through this example? How can you connect your life to this scripture? And share that and let's get some talk going. It's an awesome way for, I mean, the majority of people are on Facebook. And it's a great way for us to reach out to a lot of people who are starting this year off knowing that something is missing. And we have a way to just be honest and be, be authentic and just share where are we struggling and how is it that God is working in our lives. See, here's the deal. Self-control requires us to invest today's actions for tomorrow's results. <clears throat> Boy, weird that we were we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 11 and the fall of David and just look at it as an example. Well, it is an example and it's that and a lot more. But if we're going to really understand what's going on there in scripture, you cannot possibly begin to really delve into the real dynamics of that story until you understand that David, when confronted with his sins, is told by the prophet Nathan that God has put away his sin, and how that confrontation leads to Psalm chapter 51, where David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. The story of David and Bathsheba doesn't end with David saying, you know what, I'm just going to try harder. It's up to me to build my character. Where does David go? He goes to God in confession of his sins, praying and pleading for God's mercy, for God to blot out his transgressions. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me, and against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, it's important to note that when David says here in Psalm 51, verse 5, in sin did my mother conceive me, he's not saying that his mom was an immoral person and that he was conceived as a result of an immoral sexual act. That's not what he's saying. He's here confessing that he is by nature a sinner. I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret part. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or will I give it to you? Or you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What's missing in this treatment of sin by uh, Mike Snow here, aside from its shallowness, is the brokenness and contriteness and terror over the fact that the people there in his congregation have sinned grievously against God. And also what's missing here is any discussion of the mercy and forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of sins by the one who was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Our lords whose hands and feet were pierced with nails, whose back was scourged, and whose head had a crown of thorns pressed into it, who bled and died a terrible death on the cross for our sins, for your sins and mine. How can you discuss sin so glibly as to forget the offended God, the, the God against whom we have transgressed? How can you treat sin so glibly as to say, well, the solution is just make a decision to try harder, to clean up those areas in your life where you're not quite engaging in good character? This is not a Christian treatment of sin. This is the same kind of shallow self-help humanistic treatment of sin that we see from the world. Hmm. That's why this doesn't work with procrastination. And I'm telling you right now, I stand up here and I'm completely convicted because I'm a procrastinator. And why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Man, I would probably be amazed at what I could get done if I would just get started now. And so I hope that you'll join me in getting started now, today, January 1, 2012. Can you believe it's 2012? Let me clue you in on something. Time is not slowing down. It is not slowing down. And we have a limited amount of time to make the difference that God has for us in this city, in this state, in this region, in this world, and it starts in our own home. But one of the most difficult challenges that we're ever going to have, it says this, the most difficult triumph is over one's self. See, it has to start. We have to have that, that victory over our own desires. We have to be able to have that self-control. We have to be able to have that... Isn't the good news that Jesus is the one who won the victory? The sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who died on a cross and was raised again on the third day for our justification, isn't he the one who had the victory? 
Why aren't you talking about him? Why are you making it basically putting a big, heavy burden around the yoke around the neck? It's like a big yoke around the necks of these people. Why aren't you telling them about what Jesus did for them? Character development. That starts with us saying, you know what, God? I need to give this to you. I can't get it done on my own. I need to give it to you because I can't get it done on my own? God, can you help give me a push? In and of myself, I don't have the strength to do it. That's why going right back to Scripture in Philippians 4.13 is so critical. When Paul tells us, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what? Yeah, totally out of context. Um, wow, this is bad. I mean, where's the cross? Apparently, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength means that this is, you know, he, God's going to be there to give you the strength so that you, well, you're supposed to do it all by yourself, develop your own character. This is not a, this is not a biblical teaching that we're hearing here. This is, this is moralistic nonsense. That's the same thing that the kids are learning in the kids' area today, self-control. And it's exactly what we as adults need to be modeling, not only for our kids, but in our own lives for ourselves. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. That's, let's repeat that out loud. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. Let's say it again. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I love Paul. Paul, who, who was sick. Great. Why don't you read a bunch of him in context? Why don't you read all of Philippians? Good night. You know, I, I got to throw a little Philippians in. I mean, since he loves Paul, I'm sure he wouldn't uh, object to me throwing in a little bit of Paul here. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, I'll start at verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Notice it. Paul, if he says he loves Paul so much, Paul here is teaching something very different than what he's teaching. We put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, well, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them, and all of his good works, as rubbish, as trash, as well as scubalon, in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Yeah, let's hear about that. Let's hear about that because that righteousness that comes from faith produces the good works that you're discussing here. It's the fruit of the Spirit that produces in us self-control, right? But here, I mean, it's like self-control, just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, self-control, which is not what the Bible teaches for Christians, as if somehow you're on your own for sanctification, but ask Jesus for help because, you know, he's going to help you surrender things. Yeah, um, yeah, let me read this other passage. 
Also, Philippians chapter 4, he read verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Well, let's see what happens when we put this in context. Uh, let's start at verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, you have you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I have, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and of hunger, of facing abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Notice that that verse appears in the context of, you know, basically persevering through difficult circumstances. It's not talking about building character. Got a problem here. This sermon is really off the rails biblically. This is what happens when you rip a bunch of verses out of context. I, yeah, he hasn't even ripped a bunch of them. I went up to two, three at the most at this point. And we're 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 literally more than two thirds of the way through this thing that's called a sermon. Yikes. Sitting in prison. When he writes the book of Philippians, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write out the, the book of Philippians, and it's about joy. It's about joy, and he's imprisoned. He's in a circumstance that so many of us would never even be able to begin to muster any kind of a... Yeah, basically claiming that all of Philippians is somehow a treatise on joy is to miss the whole point of Philippians. Philippians, like Paul's other writings, really, it's about Christ. Read it. No, any kind of... And salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ's work alone. ...emotion that was close to joy. But what it shows us is that our circumstances don't have to dictate where we are with God. It doesn't have to dictate whether or not we can move towards God or we move away from God. What it means is that there is victory and there is joy when we look at this perseverance, when we look at adversity and we say, you know what, that's the very thing that can develop character in me because it depends on my response. Does that make sense? In adversity in and of itself does not develop character. How we respond develops character. And then Paul goes right back at the subject in Romans chapter 5. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Great passage. I'm glad you're reading this. We, having been justified through faith. Boy, you just kind of threw that out on the middle of the table. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you going to unpack that? What's it mean to be justified? And how is it that we're justified through faith? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Yeah, see, he's he's not even going to touch the justification by grace through faith stuff. No, we're going to go right to the sufferings produce. Yeah. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. See, when we allow God to be 
number one in our lives, when we allow God... Uh, the text doesn't say allowing God to be number one in our lives. Notice it said that we are justified by grace through faith and have peace with God. It doesn't say when we make God number one in our lives. It says when we're justified, declared righteous by God through faith. That's by simple childlike belief. To guide and direct our paths. Even as we go through difficulties, even as we go through those very things that develop our character the most, it shows us that we can persevere. In his strength, we can persevere, and that perseverance develops that character, and that character gives us the hope that we all, we all have to have that hope. I love what the, the, the study Bible says about this scripture. It says, this scripture tells us we will experience difficulties that help us grow. We rejoice in suffering not because we like pain or deny its tragedy, but because we know God is using life's difficulties and ninja warrior attacks to build our character. You believe it said that? No. It says Satan. The problems we run into will develop our perseverance, which in turn will strengthen our character, deepen our trust in God, and give us greater confidence about the future. You probably find your patience tested in some way every day. Thank God for those opportunities to grow and deal with them in His strength. And so today, January 1, 2012, that's exactly what we have the opportunity to do. For many of you, years, years of bad habits has you where you are today. Yeah, going back to my infancy. In, for many of you in your own prison. Yeah, because that's, that's what sin is. It's slavery. And, and you're not just immediately going to be released. No, we're only released by the cross. There are consequences to all of our decisions. There are consequences to all of our habits. Yeah, hell, eternal. You're a pastor. Talk but about today, that. today, step one is saying, you know what? I'm going to release control. I'm going to release control. Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, yeah, um, boy. You, you're just going to th just glibly gloss over the consequences of our sin? You're supposed to be a Christian pastor. Reminding folks that the ultimate consequence for our sin is the wrath of God, the eternal wrath of God in the lake of fire. And where in the Bible does it say, step one, release control? I mean, what is this? The greatest way to have self-control is to release control. Sounds zen, doesn't it? And today is the day that you're going to say, not my strength, God's. Really? See, you didn't wake up today and say, today I want to ruin my life. No, today you woke up, you know, a sinner with a sinful flesh. But somehow, yeah, no one knows how. You've ended up where you're at. Yeah, because it's a complete mystery. I've made a lot of bad decisions in my day. Mm -mm. Sins. You've actually sinned against God. 
And I'm dealing with the consequences of those decisions. Yeah, and if you don't placard Christ in the cross, it's questionable as to whether or not you even believe that you've, the ultimate consequence has been taken care of by you, by Jesus' shed blood. You want to talk about that consequence and what it cost God to save you? But I've also given that to God. Yeah, what does he want that for? He doesn't need that. And today I see him using me in ways that I would have never dreamt. Yeah, I'm doubting it's God that's using you because I'm not hearing you preaching Christ. I would have never in a thousand years believed that I would be standing up here preaching the word to you. But you're not. That's the thing. You're not preaching the word to them. You've completely twisted and mangled God's word and you've misapplied it and misunderstood it and missed a whole bunch of important stuff. I mean, you hear you reading from Romans 5 and you completely gloss over, you don't even know what to do with the fact about us being justified by grace through faith. That's the important part. Ay, ay, ay. What is this guy's seminary train? I couldn't figure that out. It would have been the farthest thing from anything that I could imagine. And if it can happen to me, mm, you need to watch out. You need to be, you need to have your guard up. Because God has an amazing plan for you. God has an amazing plan for you. Wow. That's not the gospel, by the way. Yeah, God has an amazing plan for you is not the good news of Scripture. That's something very different. This is just narcissistic stuff. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, uh-huh, that's right. Uh-uh, that ain't right. That was a little, uh that's right. Yeah, you didn't preach that from the Bible, sir. Look the other way and say, uh-oh. And look up for the thunderbolts about to... Mm. It's all together say, some things have got to change. Lord, help me. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that God wants. It's, it's, it's really pretty simple. And it's your life. Uh, what's he gonna? What's he need that for? Why does he want it? No reason to hold back. No reason to to deny him the opportunity to develop your character. No reason to continue to have darts thrown at you. Looking like a fool. Because a lot of people around you can see those darts. But you're the only one that can guard against them. <laughs> and today's the day. An amazing day. To know where our strength comes from. I say that again. I can do anything through Christ. <laughs> Who gives me strength? There you go. So I, that was a completely Christless, crossless sermon. 
that somehow de- dealt with the topic of sin, but I mean, w- dealt with it so miserably. That wasn't biblical preaching. That was just complete, out-of-context Bible twisting. Uh, it, the, 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 none of that made any biblical sense. And that's what's wrong with so many churches today. The gospel is gone. Sound, biblical, exegetical teaching from the word of God that tells us what God has revealed in his word. Gone. Instead, we get these motivational self-help pep talks that are completely Christless, crossless, and don't even properly deal with the issue of sin. Do you think the biblical call for you for the, the for handling the sin problem is you know, just decide to give yourself to God and try harder and and guard against those you know those ninja darts? Good night. What a mess. Sad, absolutely sad and tragic. And the worst part about this crime is that the people there who went to that church thought they heard God's word that day, and they didn't. They thought they heard something that glorified Jesus. He wasn't barely mentioned. Didn't glorify Christ. It didn't preach the gospel. It didn't call sinners to repentance and the forgiveness of their sins. That's what Jesus said we're supposed to preach. Check Luke 24 if you don't believe me. Just sad. Absolutely sad. My recommendation to the folks going to Grace Point, there's no grace there. That was all works righteousness. Run, flee the building, leave before the wrath of God falls on that place. Because that's the kind of preaching that sends people to hell. It leaves them in their sins. It leaves them unforgiven. It leaves them unrepentant, uncontrite. Keeps them smug and basically, I'll just try harder. Never once has it crossed their mind that the sins that they've committed cause them to be liable to the wrath of God. Mm, mm, mm. Nasty stuff. Well, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Just a reminder, this is listener-supported radio. Visit our website, click on one of the friendly yellow buttons to support us, and of course, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Till Monday, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>